Simpsons Index, an online spreadsheet that is also a podcast. This is the podcast. Coming to you out of SideQuest Studios, this is The Simpsons Index, episode 165. Hello out there, I'm your host, Elliot J. O'Neill, and joining me in the studio here as always, except when he's not, BT Calloway. And, uh, hi, hi. And joining us all the way from beautiful Adelaide in South Australia is Sean from Baby Beard Media. Hello! How are we? Doing well in social isolation, man. Yes, quite dandy. Yes, and isolated. Mm. Oh, isolated, but together. Yes. That's it. And we're here together in your ear holes. That's right. We're listening to The Simpsons Index. This is the podcast where we watch and review three episodes of The Simpsons at a time, but there is a twist. Each episode must come from a different decade. Who are we sponsored by today? We're sponsored by doing impressions of Super Mario when you're not sure what to do in a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Just try some Yeah, got, I got nothing to say. Try some Mamma Mia. <laughs> also available in Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, yeah, Charles Martinet, please don't sue us. Let's a go. <laughs> but anyway, uh, how are you doing down there, Sean? How's things in Adelaide? Oh, look, I'm I'm missing company. I'm missing touch. I'm missing everything that's good about the world. It's been uh, three, uh, coming on four weeks since I have seen a soul that is not a housemate, uh, mm. which is, you know, three of the four people in this household are part of Baby Beard. So my circle is limited and I am requiring all the good Simpsons and bad Simpsons, apparently. <laughs> yes, because when no one else can be there for you in social isolation, you still have the family, the Simpsons, and much like any family, they can disappoint you. Yeah, like in you this episode, we just watched season. Oh, fuck my. Season 24, episode 3. Ha <laughs> ha! Thank you, because I put my episode notes on the wrong page. So I have to you flip back and forth now because I'm, oh. I'm a damn fool. Veteran mistake. <laughs> like Sean said, we just watched season 24, episode 3, Adventures in Baby Getting. First released in November of 2012, it was directed by Rob Oliver, written by Bill Odenkirk. In this episode, Marge's car gets destroyed, so she gets a new car that she hates, but she realizes she hates it because it doesn't have room potentially for another baby, which she then wants. And in the B story, Barton, Milhouse, and all that are trying to work out what Lisa's doing after school, and it turns out she's learning cursive. Hey guys, what'd you think? Just, it's really boring. Mmm. I'm very disappointed that this came from Bill Odenkirk, who has given me one of my favourite Futurama episodes of all time, Insane in the Mainframe. This feels like yeah. a, a fall from grace. Yeah. I just, I don't know why I'm constantly surprised. And I know this is kind of like the running theme for your whole podcast in terms of everyone that comes on and is reintroduced or just introduced mm-hmm. to the new era. But it just, I'm, I'm baffled and flabbergasted by how far removed from what I remember the tone of The Simpsons being these new episodes are. Like it just like there are some moments and there are some points that where I do genuinely get a chuckle but there's just there's very little that feels in character. It's very odd because I understand from a from the perspective of you know it's been it's been 30 years it's hard to keep continuity and consistency between characters Mm -hmm. but also it's been 30 years you should know the continuity and consistencies of your characters yep no it's just everything about this feels like pale imitation like there's several plot beats that have been hit on before in previous episodes and Mm -hmm. you know i've got nothing against them running the same ground it's just you know do something new and interesting weak way though like yeah uh... 
oh, it's so poorly plotted and has a big feeling of, oh, we're doing this now. But yeah, let's get into our episode review, starting with you, BT. For better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? I'm going to start with the best note I have on this entire thing, which is the very opening where uh, Marge is filling the bird feeder and then adds like crusty punch and yep. then tells the hummingbirds to come and get it. And all these fat hummingbirds fly up mm. and then Snowball's just sitting underneath, just licking her lips, waiting for the birds to drop. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. That was hilarious. I even like the extra beat of a uh, little chunky hummingbird, you know, knocking out Snowball. <laughs> yeah, like that, that happened. I was like... That was a great joke. I'm looking forward to this episode. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. very interesting because that was the first note, one of the first notes I put down, which is even for an animation, it feels like such an egregious close-up on what her bird feeder is. It's like, see? Do you see the joke? Do you get the joke? It's a crusty mm. joke. Do you get it? Do you mm. get it? It's like, oh, it's <laughs> what they do now, isn't it? It's very heavy-handed, but yeah, I got a good chuckle out of that one. But yeah, that was easily the best joke of the entire thing. And then we just tripped to so many other really bad ones that I will get to eventually. I don't want to step on anyone else's chance to take the spotlight here. But man, man, some of these aren't even jokes. No. They're just existences. They <laughs> occur- they're occurrences. They happen. <laughs> the show that transcends jokes. Yeah. In the wrong way. Way to go, Simpsons. How about you, Sean? What stands out to you for better or worse? Uh, interestingly, I really usually don't like the kind of the meta jokes that Simpsons, or sorry, meta things that the Simpsons mm-hmm. try to pop our way in the HD era and beyond. But I did really get a giggle out of Bart saying, you know, that he's running out of things to write on the chalkboard um, and yeah. kind of getting notes from Lisa. I'm like, you know what? I'm happy because once again, that serves the continuity and that serves Bart as a character. Like it makes, it's a joke that makes sense for the character. And like, I'm fine for that sort of a wink and a nudge at the audience when it's, mm-hmm. and it's not lingered on too long. That's the thing. Cause like there's, what I found with a lot of these, um, the, the writing is that they can't help but do the joke and then say the joke yeah. and then reiterate yeah. the joke. And it's like, that was just, we did the joke, it's done, let's move on. Great, good, tick. No, it was a total drive-by. And it, yeah, I'm the same. You know, this meta commentary can often be very egregious and, you know, come off of the, I write things on the chalkboard every day. Yeah. No, this was just a quick little drive-by and I enjoyed it. Yeah, because if you think about it too much, it doesn't make any sense. He's not picking the things to write. No. The idea, it's meant to be detention, but still. Well, I mean, maybe that is the implication that after so long, he's just doing it out of habit now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Hmm. just like the writers. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) We keep writing stupid things on the Fox network. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We need more ideas. And they keep giving us money. (laughs) Um, I gotta say, the thing that stands out to me, and I'm only mentioning it because I think we can peel this band-aid of the story off pretty quickly, is the Lisa subplot. This just sucked. Yeah, it was so boring. Yeah, I don't know. Like for a detective, little what's she up to thing, Mm -hmm. she wasn't like really leaving any enticing clues. Except, yeah, that little riddle of the um, fucking variation on Big Black Fox jumps, skip rope over the acrobat. I don't know. (laughs) You forgot Q. Uh, The sentence with every letter of the alphabet in it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if there's a name for that. Acrobat has a Q in it. Mm. (laughs) Uh, There is a name for it. Um, It's called a pangram or a hollow alphabetic sentence. And so it turns out that she's learning cursive. And then that's just sort of the end of the story. This lacked any impact the reveal was just felt dumb yeah and why is she leaving clues like why is she leaving clues exactly and why is she secretive about it and why if she's deliberately leaving clues why is she doing that and if she's not deliberately leaving clues why is she just throwing pages on the ground it's yeah it's she very odd things 
And it's much the same in the main story, is that none of the twists and turns feel earned or important. Like, yeah, yeah Principal Skinner going, ooh, this sheet has the same binder protectors as an old principal I used to know. It just... And, and yeah. Otto's, Otto's there. Yeah. Who is this person? <laughs> Who is this person? Why is this happening? Why are we doing this? What? Yes. He couldn't have been like, wait, I know this handwriting. That's blogs. You know, that would have been something. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe having Bart and Milhouse not even able to read what Lisa's written down because it's in cursive and they don't understand it. Maybe that's how you get Skinner involved. I don't know. This is such a nothing plot line. And fuck it. That's no excuse for Otto to be there. Stop it. No. Just stop putting... Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. They just keep adding characters in the hopes it'll be funny. <laughs> I think it's kind of an interesting thing that, you know... Because, for the most part, handwriting is out of schools now. And, mm. yeah, in favour of teaching typing. And I think it's an interesting thing to pursue the lost art form and something that suits Lisa's character. It's just... It's kind of a boring thing, so you've got to doll it up. You've got to jazz it a bit. Yeah, her mm. ending on this is to go, and you just wasted all this time coming to an extracurricular activity. It's like, yeah, you just wasted our time yeah. doing yeah. that as well, so thanks for that. Because I thought that, that was a really nice comment from, like, when Otto's saying, do we even teach cursive at school? He's like, no, we don't. There's no budget. I'm like, oh, that was, was kind of nice, but everything around it was just kind of meh. Yeah. Yeah, actually, I didn't mind when Otto just goes, I'm bailing out of the bus, and Ralph goes, I'm going to an accident. (laughs) That was a rare new Ralph line that I like. Yeah, me too. Uh, So, play count. Have you guys seen this episode before today? No. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I have. I remember the Lisa plot. I don't remember anything else. Interesting, because yeah. I don't remember the Lisa plot, but I remembered the Marge Homer Are thing. Are we sharing memories again? <laughs> <laughs> Did that you know, transporter accident happen and we're just swapping minds? Mm. Shit. Well, it was better than that um, last Friday. That was freaky. <sighs> I get it. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Wackiness! Was this a particularly wacky episode I mean, of The Simpsons? Freaky <laughs> Friday and last Friday. I mean, God I mean was it... Pretty was wacky it, episode of our lives. Yeah, well, was it... I mean, I guess not. I don't know. Like, they tried to ground it in, in some sense of reality, but then they also just can't help doing this things like having Millhouse hanging upside down in the butcher's shop or or the, the pit in the beginning of the episode. But I, I don't know if you'd call it wacky, Dull. I don't know. I feel like I'm being extra harsh, but also just New Simpsons does just boil my <laughs> blood a bit. Yeah. Man, the things I'm going to point out are not not wacky like crazy, just wacky. These are the things I was talking about that weren't even jokes. So, like, Millhouse falls out of the treehouse, and then he's like, oh, it's okay, I landed on a mattress. And then you reel, and he's landed on Grandpa. Whoa! And there's no reaction. There's no sound. There's nothing. It's dead silent. And you're like, oh, okay, I it's guess. Leaving, and then, it's leaving room for you to laugh uproariously. I, yeah. I guess. And then there's a bit where Homer just hits a skunk when he's driving. Yeah. And it's like... Wait, what? Uh, that's that's a joke? <laughs> you just ran over a skunk. I missed that. <sighs> yeah. It's bizarre. And there's the other bit when they're all all the kids are out trying to follow Lisa around. And they're like, oh, no, it's Father Mike. And he's, this priest starts walking towards them. And then it cuts. Like, who the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? I just... It feels like I fell asleep for 10 seconds and just dreamed a random, you know, interjection into The Simpsons. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought they were about to make some sort of Catholic priest joke heading towards the kids. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. And then I'm like, oh, no, no. Okay. That was just Father Mike, I guess. Yeah. You know, that famous character who pops up in random episodes of random TV shows, Father Mike. He's hilarious, <laughs> uh, I guess. Uh, oh, like, uh, yeah. It's so odd, the choices in this episode. And yeah, one of the, I guess you'd call it wacky things that stands out to me is that, yeah, apparently Homer's sperm is uh, all across the USA right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. In child form. 
That was a weird way to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I am around everywhere in child form. <laughs> it was a weird plot line. It was a weird way to hang the final plot line. Like Marge is all like, oh, I want another baby to enrich our lives and give us new meaning. Oh, wait, Homer, there's a bunch of people out there who've had babies from you. We better not have one. Yeah, that is my big note is the yeah. motivation for backtracking makes no goddamn sense. Yeah. Yeah, and this segues into the heart of the episode, I think, because Marge has like emotional reactions to all this stuff, but it's just it's not even convenient plot lines. It just feels like, oh, we're doing this now. Like Marge gets new car, then decides I want a baby. Like what the fuck is that connection? Uh, I don't know. The, the whole we need a new baby plotline pops up in sitcoms every now and then, and it so rarely ever works because, you know, they do the same thing in Family Guy, and in both shows, they already have a one-year-old. Yeah. It's like, how is that not enough already? No, it's really weird as well because, you know, like, I would make an argument that I feel like out of all The Simpsons, Marge is teetering closer towards acting like herself. Like, I can at least understand how you would get the Marge character and throw her towards wanting another child. Like, that that tracks for me. Mm. And they had something there at the beginning when she does make the realisation. I was like, oh, this is something resembling at least some sort of carbon copy of the Marge and Homer emotional relationship. But then they immediately, they, they already undermine it with that stupid three-second pause joke. Yeah. And then uh. from there, they lose track of it. Whatever goodwill they had in that first 10 seconds, I just went, nah, you haven't got a handle on this and you're not going to. Mm. No, this uh, that joke was the opposite of a drive-by. Yeah, yeah, they just went on and on and on and on. Uh, yeah, but I like the initial reaction of her going, oh, this car means that we're kind of done. And yeah. like the kind of sense that maybe she doesn't necessarily want a baby right that second. It's just the idea that there's not anything more after this. I get that as an emotion, an emotion thing, but it just jumps just straight into, now let's have a baby right this very second. Mm. Mm. And you wanted to cut everything they've just gone through that you've tried to build up. Like, mm. if the whole thing is about Marge wanting this child for this and this reason, how does it track that you were aware that Homer's sperm was out there? Is that a sperm bank? So why is the fact that other people have utilized that have any kind of say in you guys having a child yourselves it was just yeah odd what like it feels like a very rush they didn't realize how they were going to end it and it's weird because like they've essentially done that joke before as well with barney being like a frequent donor to the sperm bank Mm -hmm. and so we're sort of mixing in that a bit with the episode where they think marge is pregnant and they're going back and telling the story of how they had bart so yeah this ends up feeling like a pale imitation because of that Mm -hmm. and Because the motivations are so poor, it just feels so unsatisfying. Like, when Homer reveals that he actually doesn't want kids, this should be a heart moment, but he just sort of flippantly says it, and it's so unearned and dumb. Yeah, after so much of him going back and forth with his brain of, like, now there's the time you tell her, and he says some kind of lie, uh, and then he just outright says it. It's like, oh, well, why didn't you do that in the first place? Yeah. There's Mm. There's been no change to him to say it now, as opposed to not saying it earlier. Or letting slip something and then Marge goes, wait, what are you talking about? Like, that scene to just, I don't know, drive the tension a bit? I mean, he almost does when he's like, yeah, it's nice to have a day out as a couple without the kids around. Yeah. Which is literally what happened. Yeah. (laughs) They had a nice day out without the kids around. Yeah. And if that had been what turned Marge around, it would have been great as well. It would have been like, think about how much work that would be. We barely get any time for each other now. Yeah. You know, and it's right there. And isn't it canon in the series that all three of them were unplanned children? 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a whole, there's a minefield of emotion there for you to, to kind of dig up in terms of this is the first time you guys are actually going to try and have a child. Like you're yeah. the three before you, because he mentions it. It's like, oh, it started around the time that Bart was born. And that, that tracks. So, that leaves a whole playing field for you to explore in terms of what does it mean for this family to actually actively go out and try and try for a child? Mm. Try and try yeah. to start a family instead of having it, for lack of a better term, thrust upon them. Yeah, absolutely. And like a minefield of emotion as well. Like, And the fact that they tie the kids up in this dumb B plot is like mm. extra disappointing from that angle because, yeah, having the kids involved with this storyline, like that's an extra set of emotions. Yep. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, in, a, in an episode about having children, they did not at any point have a scene with their children. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, say who was looking after the children. Yes, yeah, yeah, I was about to say, who's like, looking after oh, the kids? it's getting late, we better go to a motel. It's like, mm, you have kids and no one's watching them. Remember that <laughs> Mo- one-year-old I mentioned? Yeah. <laughs> Mo's like, looking after them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's just say Mo. <laughs> or maybe the mattress. Um, but ultimately, did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Felt like an no. episode of The New Simpsons. Yeah, not really. Mm. Like, ideas are there. Like, uh, Bart getting curious about Lisa having a private life and wanting to, you know, invade that. Sure. But then just the payoff of it is so blur. Yeah, like, Homer is sort of himself, but, mm. yeah, just pale imitations of everything. Yeah. And the show as a whole just feels off to me. They're shadow puppets of themselves. And, yeah. and it also just feels like even reasons for Bart and Milhouse and Nelson to be together doesn't make sense. Reasons for Otto Skinner and the kids doesn't make sense. Like, every, mm-hmm. it just feels like a lot is just thrown together, whether it's, like, plot points or resolutions or reasons for characters to be together. It just doesn't feel like a, a lot of really fine-tuned work has gone into reasons behind things. No, we keep saying a lot, you know, HD era episodes sort of feel first drafty. This doesn't even feel that. This feels like 0.001 draft. Scribbling on a napkin. Yeah. This is like sort of basic plot ideas with lots of asterisks, come back to this, make better later, Mm. you know. Yeah, so that's the integrity question. But yes or no, would you watch this one again? Nay. Not actively, no. On purpose? It, yeah, if I need a sleeping aid, then sure. Yeah, because leading into the next question, what would you change? This isn't like even one where I'm like excited to pick it apart and like, mm. okay, what can we use here? Because, yeah, this is just demotivating on so many levels. Uh, what about you, BT, though? What would you change about this episode? Mostly just that ending, because it's just so blah. So maybe, you know, Marge and Homer have stayed over at this motel, so maybe they get a phone for call from the kids and they're all panicked and chaotic and they're like, I need to come home right away, there's all this kind of trouble. And they're like, oh, look, kids are great, but we just, we're so busy with these ones already. Why don't we just keep Homer's sperm in case we want it in the future? Because that was kind of Marge's whole deal is that the option to have more is going away, whereas this yeah. gives her that option. And it can always just be in the background. They can never use it, but knowing it's there is something. Yeah. So that would be what I would end it, because that's a more just, it makes sense. I can't, like, her decision to stop on this plot line is just of nothing. Yeah. How about you, Sean? What would you like to change? A complete overhaul in the story, but mainly a, a lot of like kind of themes and tones in the sense that this episode feels way too open. Like they open it up to too many characters, too many set pieces, and, and you can't really track it. At its heart, it's an episode about family and not as in like we need every family member to have a plot point around it, but it is about the family, the idea of starting a family, of, of, mm. of having a new family, of adding to a family. So, make it an insular, closed off story. You know, ha- 
we don't need the B plot. Have the kids around potentially excited by the idea of having another sibling or Maggie, even if you want to go to the more wacky side of it, having Maggie comprehending it and kind of being a bit jealous because that she's not going to be the baby anymore, but really mm-hmm. make it about margin. Homer, like, you know, navigating through this idea that they're actually going to plan to have a child and what that means and maybe through seeing what they have and what they don't have and what the ramifications would be, maybe they come to an understanding that actually they're happy with what they need and they'd rather just kind of work towards their own family and their own happiness rather than needing to kind of feel a supposed gap that they might have or however they resolve that. But just make it about the five of them as a unit within that house. Yeah, because that's what stands out to me and, you know, what I my main problem is that the kids weren't involved. Mm. And so, yeah, scrap the beat story entirely. And I think there's two ways you can go about this. Either, yeah, Marge and Homer go on a road trip and leave the kids in the care of, like, Grandpa or something. Again, you're probably treading the same ground as War yeah. of the Simpsons where, you know, I think the kids being at home with Grandpa can lead to something where Marge and Homer question whether or not they should introduce another kid. Mm-hmm. Or the kids go on the road trip with them and make it hell for them on the way. And they're the ones who want to stop at all the attractions and stuff on the scenic route you know making the trip harder Mm -hmm. like and i think there is a way you can tell that story there where the kids are a bit of a weight but fuck we love them but do we want more of a weight yeah yeah uh it's just there's so many interesting ways you can take this and the fact that they did is just uh fascinating (laughs) i think what you said kind of really tracks like they can still have their own little b plot but i think you're right marge and homer should be a part of the resolution of Mm. the b plot because that can kind of drive them to be like oh wow we had to do all this just to like get our three kids out of trouble or whatever three's enough yeah yeah exactly absolutely instead of just going ah there's i want one of these but there's so many one of these out there i don't want one of these anymore Mm. what boring yeah (laughs) And guest stars for the episode, we had one, Jeff Gordon. That okay? He's a race car person, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. With the line, and I'm not quoting it exactly, but it had this much impact. Oh, we deal with a lot of things in our town, sinkholes, Jeff Gordon, NASCAR driver. Hello. I bet he doesn't come back. Yeah. But like, you know, it's them making a comment on, well, we have so many cameos and and a lot of them are just like weird one-liners where they never come back. I'm like, Mm -hmm. but then you just did it. All you're doing is is kind of shining a light on it so that you can be like, no, we're part of the audience. We get it. But you still did it. Mm. Yeah. And it's so boring. Just, oh, here's a NASCAR driver. Like, who gives a shit? Yeah, no (sighs) one likes NASCAR drivers. Like, yeah. even if it was, like, a big high-money actor like uh, uh, Michael Caine or something, like... It, it would have been weirdly funnier to get him to do one line rather than someone I've never heard of. Yeah. That could have been him. That could have been a completely made-up person. That might not have even been a NASCAR driver. What are you doing here, professional dodgeball player Art McGinley? <laughs> Art Vandalay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're here. Sean, do you have any other notes about this episode before we rank this thing? Oh, look, I'm deaf in one ear. I heard you say wank this thing, and that, that kind of feels <laughs> correct as well. It um, was a pile of wank, that's for sure. Yeah. Hey. Look, I'm going to stick to my positive notes, at least for now. I love the genuine concern on the look of Peekaboo Kid's face. That really tracks me as soon as his father goes, hides away, and the kid just looks genuinely distraught and confused. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, great. Oh, the, the, once again, I, I use the word tracks a lot, but... um. 
you know, the fact that Homer just through his brain says, oh, I hope it's twins. And then, of course, he thinks of Patty and Selma and that mm-hmm. freaks him the hell out. I'm like, that feels like a Homerish response, which was nice. Mm. I enjoyed that Marge uses, you know, a nice little comment about everything's online now and you can find out anything and information's everywhere. So, it's kind of nice for her to get the one up on the car salesman through mm. just going through his Facebook. Yeah. Finally, and I think a lot of the characters that have that we have a bit of fun with are the ones that aren't established characters. So I also liked the engineer. I don't know. I kind of just got a bit of a chuckle out of the idea of, well, you know, I'm not a good judge of mental health because I'm a mechanic, but here you go. I'm like, yep, yep that is kind of humorous. And also it seems like something Homer would be on board with and try to use. So hmm. I didn't mind the loner wife as well. I thought that was okay, yeah. a line, but then the actual, then the tell then show like was a bit, yeah. Meh. And I'm sure you guys will cover the negatives, so I'll, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> oh, my. PT, any negatives? Um, yeah, first negative. So we do like a pan through the ground for the sinkhole, and there's like the old Simpsons that are dead in the ground. Yeah, the Tracy Ullman Simpsons are, yeah. were killed, buried, and then replaced by the new Simpsons. But recently, because they have all their skin and eyes. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah, uh. <laughs> think about that. Wow, the Simpsons. Oh, what is the trope that's like a name for that? You know, the going in and replacing someone and... Oh, single white femaling? Is that it? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, Simpsons are identity thieves. This is. Yeah. We're going to keep a watch out on this. Was that a Treehouse of Horror episode where they get haunted by their former selves, which doesn't make any sense? Yeah. <laughs> have you seen God. that one, Sean? I have not. Should I? No. No. <laughs> but okay. yeah, the Simpsons, like the Tracy Ullman version, as ghosts come back to haunt the current Simpsons, and Homer gets a big, massive crush on ghosts' old Marge. Ugh. Yeah. Ghost Marge uh, is horny for new Homer. Look, yeah. it's Treehouse of Horror. Me. That's fine, I guess. <laughs> um, I do like the line of when Chief Williams trying to call for Carmen. He's like, just be cool, like Lou. And Lou's just over there going, yep. hey. Like, yeah, <laughs> Lou's cool. <laughs> and my little bit of heart that we kind of didn't touch on is I do like Homer's speech where Marge's like, okay, Homer, you have to tell me what you really want now. And he kind of goes on about, you know, I want whatever you want. And tables are better with four legs and cubes are made of cheese, but pyramids are schemes. And he ended with, <laughs> ends it with uh, anything that's half you is going to be completely fantastic or something like that. Yeah. It's a good little moment. I like that line. But it's just undermined by immediately then Marge finding out there are so many other Homer babies out there to just give up. And it's stupid, stupid, stupid. And that would mean it might be time for my final notes. Now it's time, and now it's time for his final notes. Elliot's final notes. <laughs> Sorry for making you do that while you're a bit sick, man. Uh, but it's just, it's, I've, I've now a bloody throat, and I can't hear the now final notes. Time. Now it's time. it's time for his final notes. <laughs> Thank you to the Gremlin Choir. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I normally hate the Palport names, but I liked the T-Sun Sensibler. <laughs> I thought that was a very good name for a super practical car. I don't know. If they don't say put it in H, then I don't care. <laughs> put it in H. Uh, one of the places that Marge and Homer stopped at was Fudgerama. Mm. Accidental Futurama reference, I, I guess. I was actually wondering if that was deliberate or not. And I was like, oh, Elliot, you've dug deep. No, actually, even in picking this episode, I didn't realize, oh, this kind of relates to the classic one we're doing. And nope, not intentional. Just needed a season 24 episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad you picked this one. So am I. Sarcasm detector blows up everywhere. Oh. What do you mean? And I like Homer's pseudonym, Thad Supersperm. And yeah, again, just the cum imagery in this episode. He goes, you know, there's always some ketchup left in the bottle. Yeah. Just imagine, you know, ah. smacking that. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how it got in the bottle. Mm. 
I'm actually reminded of a Futurama line with <laughs> when they're trying to get Kiff out of his jar when he's dead and Amy's just like, just stick the butter knife in it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come it's time to rank this thing on the simpsons index we rank using our six point scale which starts down the bottom at failure maybe if the episode is just you give it participant but for the positive rankings you got okay bronze good silver excellent gold but for the best of the very best the episodes which the simpsons could not exist without you give cubic zirconia i'm gonna go first let me show you how it's done i'm failing this one there's so little to latch onto and to like i was mostly bored about this episode which makes me think maybe it technically deserves as a participant but like it was just so numbing and so disappointing that i just can't do any better than a failure bt I and mean, i'm i've been on the patissa fail border the entire time and i'm just not too sure where i'm gonna land on that because it's just it's not, it's not egregiously terrible but at the same time so many parts just don't work and don't fit Neither answer feels right to me ah um i mean do you want me to give you my other side yep. of the coin and then you can decide between go for it jump in yeah, well, look, I'm going to give it a participant mainly because there's nothing that's actively harmful and dangerous in this episode. And I know that, you know, uh, Simpsons, especially, you know, after 30 years, they tend to tackle things that maybe they should only tackle if they have a bit more kind of intelligence and, and, and kind of, you know, thoughtful processing behind. But they, this is just an episode that, you know, rightfully, as you say, it's just going to, eh, like there's a few bits that make me chuckle and they've got like kind of the, the inklings of following character continuity, but really it's just uninspired. So it's not mm. harmful. It only makes me angry because I don't watch a lot of New Simpsons. So I'm just constantly baffled by how far it has fallen. But I think it's not, it didn't make me absolutely furious. So I think that's why I'm going to give it a participant. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to say like a low participant, which I know is not a thing, it's a participant still. Yeah. Um, mostly just because the biggest problem I have with this are those three jokes that are just not even jokes. They're just there, like Homer running over a skunk. And it's like, that happened. But seeing as so little time is spent on that, as much as I don't like the plot line, I don't understand how you can have an episode about family that doesn't involve the family being together. There's just, like you said, there's so little to latch onto on this episode. I'm going to forget it so easily. Oh, absolutely. This is so forgettable. Mm. Yeah, so um, it's dangerously close to a failure for just being so boring. But ultimately, I just don't have that much feeling for it. All right. Well, averaging out, that'll be a dull participant. It'll be the fifth episode from season 24 to be called a dull participant. Mm -hmm. It'll be joining the, actually, the next two episodes chronologically. Mm. Uh, Gone, A, B, Gone. That's when Grandpa reveals that he was dating a jazz singer back in, uh, uh, after yeah. Mona left. Yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Episode sucks. Penny Wise Guys, where Lisa breaks her vegetarianism to eat insects. Mm. What? And Steve Carell is an accountant for the mob or some shit. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> All these plot lines, they end in uh, something and some shit. Yeah. Also, be joining Black Eyed Please. I don't quite remember that one. Is that the one where Flanders wants Homer to punch him? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And yeah, Flanders punches him twice. Yeah, that's right. And also, Whiskey Business, where Mo gets a new suit and then makes a brand of whiskey, Maker's Mo. Ha! I'm also just already <laughs> aggravated by kind of two. <laughs> canonical oh, yeah. misfires which is flanders punching people which is less less mm. annoying but then lisa giving up vegetarian oh my god some just 
Look, I'm angry. Let's go watch another episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's so annoying because, yeah, just on the last podcast with uh, also another baby bearder, Ellen, Paul McCartney did that episode on the condition that Lisa would stay vegetarian. And the show absolutely knows they were like skirting and going over a line with Lisa getting into eating insects. Great. Yeah, insects don't matter. Well, I mean, that's the line that they're skirting, and, you know, I'll challenge you on that. But for now, we must go to our Teens Era episode, and, oh, this is a doozy. Saddle Saw Galactica. Yeah, this will be something. We'll be back. (laughs) (sighs) And we are back, and we just watched our Teens Era episode. This was... Season 11, episode 13, Saddlesaw Galactica. First released in February of Oort, it was directed by Lance Kramer, written by Tim Long. Ah, <laughs> uh, Tim Long. <laughs> Famous writer of Lisa Goes Gaga. Oh, yeah. Mm. Also, Lance Kramer is a season 7 Futurama director, so... Oh, is that right? Yeah, he was brought in for season seven, so he's actually uh, responsible for, as of recording Simpsons Index here, mm-hmm. uh, the latest episode we did on Shut Up and Take My Podcast, uh, Leela and the Gene Stalk. Oh, wow. And yeah, in the classic episode is another Futurama director, but we will get to that later when I tell you that in this episode, the Simpsons get a horse again, and it ends up being a prize racehorse with a big bad attitude, Duncan Furious D, and... It's winning all the races, but then the jockeys uh, are elves that... (laughs) Let's just get into it, guys. What do you think? (laughs) The first 10 minutes of this episode, I thought was a solid gold. And I was like, oh, man, this episode is really great. The writing's snappy. I'm fine Mm -hmm. with the segues. I'm doing well. And then the 10 minutes passed and Duncan came in. And from there, oh, boy. Yeah, I found myself like giving... Every, I don't know, I'd say five-minute block in this episode, a lower rank. Mm. Like, I was saying to Beige as we were leaving the TV room, I just want to give it every single rank on our scale. Yeah. (laughs) Man. (laughs) Like, because there are so many jokes in here which I use all the time. Mm. I mean, not even that, but some of the jokes that maybe aren't that great on paper, but their delivery really works. Like, Homer having this dream of uh, living existence where he's just got so many pearls, he's basically a pearl emperor. It's garbage, but the delivery on it is weirdly great. (laughs) Like, him just lying on the ground giggling, dreaming about this, and then goes back into another fantasy, and Marge does the same thing. It's like, it doesn't make any (laughs) sense, but the delivery kind of sold it so hard, I'm kind of having fun with it anyway. It's... A weird thing where you're not meant to do a hat on a hat, you know, but yeah. like Marge doing the piling on of the, ah, oh, it's the only fire extinguisher in- endorsed by George Foreman and Linda Carter. I wonder it'd be like if they had a baby and then she does the same stupid rolling uh, and laughing. It's yeah, uh, it's brilliant and dumb and uh, let's just get into it. Sean, for better or worse, what's a moment that stands out to you? Okay, I'm just going to give you a particular line that I loved this because it's the first one my eyes went to, which is, uh, Marge, your your pro-mop anti-horse agenda has been clear for some time. (laughs) And it's just so underplayed and it's just brilliant. Like a lot of the, like the writing is actually, by the writing, I mean the actual dialogue that is used, not so much the plot. It's very tight and that's obviously Mm. compared to the last episode we just watched. But I was just surprised at the difference in quality of the writing and and the ability to just have jokes and just let them be jokes and just let them sit there. There's just a lot of, it's weird to say restraint, but just once again, comparatively, (laughs) there's just a lot of restraint here, which Mm. I just, I liked. 
Well, the joke's writing as well. Like, there's so many of those, like, making the joke, which would have worked on its own, and then calling back to it. Like, yeah, Homer referring to the horse dealies, you know. What's with the attitude? I just want some dealies. And then later on, those horses will be shaking in their horse dealies. Like, yeah. Yep. It's really good joke writing. And just, yeah, the good little lines in passing. Like, the two jockeys going, you know, just for once, I'd like to run clockwise. Huh, I thought I was the only one. Yeah, yeah I love that. Again, yeah, this drive-by humour, which just, boom, like, it moves at such a brisk speed. And then... Other things happen. But anyway, BT, what about you? What stands out to you for better or worse? I mean, it's got to be the thing that stands out in this episode, period. The secret land of the jockeys. (laughs) Which, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like, it's, ah, because this was a very solid episode up into that Mm. hardcore turn into just the wackiest of wacky, like the most far out. Yeah, it's Sean, so you, weird. Sean, you were saying the turn for you was like when Duncan was introduced. Like, I thought that was a little silly, and especially like comic book guy hanging a lampshade. The Simpsons yeah. did it, and I don't know. I was along for that ride, but yeah, for me, when the episode turned was obviously the jockeys. Remember how I talked about the the meta joke? Um, we'll get onto that later. But yeah, Jockey Land is just this episode. If I'm correct, is pretty much what many fans consider to be a jumping the shark point, like a very early. Jumping the shark point from what I've seen where it just started losing its way. Yeah, there are definitely a few like milestone episodes where you can say, okay, this is where, you know, the scene started popping and the Simpsons started becoming undone. And certainly this one is, mm. you know, referenced alongside Principal and the Pauper and, you yeah. know, things like that where, yeah, the Simpsons just sort of went too far into the wacky direction. Yeah, the philosophy of jumping the shark is difficult because it's like, what exactly do people mean by that? Is it just like an outlandish episode that would never normally happen? Because then people point to Deep Space Homer, yeah, which is fair absolutely. enough. Absolutely, but that's I still mean, a yeah. good episode. So yeah. surely it's got to be something that's just terrible. But jumping yeah. the shark is definitely an overused term. But I think yeah. this is definitely. I look at this episode and I go, ah, this is when they start toying with the idea of throwing in absurdity for the sake of absurdity. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, the point of asking the wackiness and the heart on the index, I find is. You know, exploring where it sort of lands on that, like, grid of wackiness and heart, where it's like, it's not necessarily a good or bad thing, it's just, you know, to what extent are they using these things, Mm. and is it effective? And, yeah, in this case, like, I'm totally on board for the Duncan horse, like, everything leading up to that point. It's just the jockeys, which are just way too far into the wackiness, and does it work? No, the jokes in this section suck. Yeah, and the conclusion of this is Marge and Lisa hose them down and put them in the garbage. Yeah. That's how this yes. ends. <laughs> Do they then just give up? Is that the idea? Like, these jockeys have made it pretty clear oh, no. that, that... Yeah, yeah sh- it's- sure, sure, sure. Get it. They're wet now. <laughs> uh, so they, they, right. they're done. It's over because they're wet. Like, what are the they jo- going to do? The yeah. jockey's arch enemy. Yeah. You know, once you get wet, it's just, it's over. You're like the Wicked Witch of the West. It's just done. <laughs> Who would have ever thought a small amount of liquid could ever land on me? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's just, because the other thing is, I'm like, okay, you're going down this road, Simpsons. Is it worth it? Is there at least a handful of anything to latch onto? And the song in this section sucks mm-hmm. as well. Like, and I think it's pretty insulting to jockeys. Like, <laughs> it's like yeah. I don't really want to defend anyone involved in the horse racing industry because it's profiteering off animal cruelty. But like, the, the to- suggestion here is jockeys are small people; they must be secret little elves. Yeah. Yeah, no, like make fun of jockeys for being, you know, abusive assholes, but don't make fun of their height. That's just wrong. 
Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> what stands out to me? Yeah. What does stand out to you? <laughs> all right, uh, it's something that I yeah quote all the time, and as a music fan, I absolutely adore this scene of yeah Homer <laughs> watching. Um, oh fuck, I've already forgotten all the uh, initialisms. <laughs> BTO. BT. BT? I just remember BT and that's how I remember. Oh, yeah. (laughs) BT Overdrive. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, playing their songs TCB and ASNY. Yeah, I thought they did very well in this episode. Yeah, I do like Homer's dickishness of, you know, you know, his love of music and just play taking care of business. Get to the work in overtime. I just love that the idea of someone heckling at a concert to get to the next section. We don't want the verse. No talking, no new crap, TCB. Yeah. (laughs) And and as someone who has only ever been to one music gig in my entire life, I can't relate so much. Yes, I have only ever seen Linkin Park live back in 2010. I'm so sorry. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, 2010. And that was it. That's the only thing I've ever seen. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Music I do not have a big relationship with, but movies I do. Thus, <laughs> these podcasts. All right. Oh, because that's something like, yeah, I'm getting a concert itch fucking crazy right now in isolation no. times. No. Because especially this month was going to be huge. For me, it was going to be Offspring, Tame Impala, Alanis Morissette. And I was thinking about going to Adelaide for Faith No More, but pfft, nope. Did Ellen tell you how she was unable to go see My Chemical Romance in New Zealand? She did. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Yeah. I, I get it. Well, I'll tell no. you what. Why don't we just play all those three bands on the same TV at the same time? <laughs> <laughs> And with Wizard of Oz. Yes. See if <laughs> they sync up. <laughs> uh, so what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Barkman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. Our guest for this episode, um, uh, Randy Barkman. Barkman and- Turner? Uh, Barkman and Turner. Randy Barkman and Fred Turner. And, and Overdrive? <laughs> <laughs> Overdrive was the collective. Oh. There wasn't a person in the band called Overdrive. Oh. And that's how you do a cameo. That was nice. I got a chuckle. Hmm. But yeah, it's weird that Homer says that they were the answer to ELP, which was Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, mm-hmm. when Palmer, you know, isn't functioning as the same word as Overdrive in that sentence. That is a person. Oh. Palmer's a person, but Overdrive, how am I supposed to keep up with this? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking music, yeah. I'm I, just I, trying to take care of business and they're making it so hard. <laughs> well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Damn it. And just while we're on guest stars as well, uh, Trevor Denman apparently is a horse racing caller guy and... He was being a horse racer caller guy in this episode. Yeah, much like the stock car dude. They could have just made that up and I would have no idea. Good God. I I thought you were going to say Bill Clinton for a second. I'm like, I (laughs) never. No, that was Clinton. Wait, what? No. Don't know. <laughs> Good. Like, hey, I'm trusting you here. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't burn me. No, I don't think Bill Clinton would appear on a show to say, yeah, no. I was a pretty lousy president. He might be a baby bearder, but he wasn't born yesterday. I mean, Al Gore would. <laughs> Just saying. Al Gore would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Lisa made it pretty explicit that they do not want Al Gore. <laughs> the country made it pretty explicit they don't want Al Gore. Well, hey, Futur- Futurama will take him. <laughs> and the other guest star, Jim Cummins, famous voice actor, was doing all the noises for Duncan. Oh, really? Not Frank Walker. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, guest stars for the episode. Play count. Have you guys seen this one before today? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Any memories uh, particularly? Yeah, just going, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I actually remembered as a kid because I remember seeing this pretty close to when it actually came out and 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 when I when you mentioned this episode three things stood out for me as just random memories one was the jockey song because I have mm. quoted that endlessly I just always have we are jockeys jockeys are we in my head 
and really? the chocolate stream and the chocolate streamline for better or worse. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also just the clip of um, so it's when we've got Furious D being a badass and it's just him whacking them from side to side with his head and grabbing one of the jockeys in his mouth. Mm-hmm. I just have that as a as a visual reference for this episode. Just yep. weird things that I don't have any ties to, but I just go, oh yeah, that episode. Yeah, the history with this episode, like, I feel like this is one that I keep forgetting the ending because I've seen it a lot. Mm. And there are so many lines that I pull it's out. It's such news. a hard left turn or oh. right turn or it's a turn. It definitely goes counterclockwise at yeah. one point. <laughs> but yeah, especially the fucking monocle line. I've used that so many times. Uh, that's my third monocle this week. I simply must stop being so horrified. It's <laughs> just delivery, action, all mm. of it. It's fucking amazing. Absolutely. And yeah, you can use it in everyday life because everything is so horrifying. Yes, <laughs> my word. <laughs> so <laughs> wackiness. I mean, oh I mean, I mean, yes, yep. it is wacky. Yeah. There's there's a wacky plot. <laughs> wacky jockeys. Well, I mean, even before that, we've got uh, Marge feeds a mop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do like all the products she's seeing in the thing. Like, Miracle Shears just cuts through a car door. <laughs> yeah. And the drain bugger, his little bug just goes through a drain, eats all the crap, and then becomes a butterfly. Ooh, uh, oh, Simpsons playlist, a uh, uh, butterfly playlist. Like that one where the caterpillar crawls up yeah. Homer's chest when oh, he's yeah. sleeping, and then he accidentally swallows it and coughs it up and turns into a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Very good joke. Oh, it's yeah, it's visual humor at its best, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Mo, Mo. <laughs> I know the other bit I remember from this, and I will fight you. I love this line. It's Mo's heart yeah. beating out of his chest. It's a, this is a serious medical problem. <laughs> yeah. I, fuck, I love that joke. It's just, yeah. it, it tickles me in all the right ways. Yeah, Sorry, he finally Mo. has a meat cute, and then, yeah, um, what is it, Tex Avery? <laughs> what? what? The, yeah. the cartoon uh, dog. That yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic eyes popping out of the head, yeah. tongue unfurling, a wooger, a wooger, all that the shit. Heart, the heart, the thump, Yeah. Again, yeah, it's such a wacky, out-of-reality joke that I should but hate, they, but they, I love. They treat it as such, like, oh, well, this is not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's where this episode, when it succeeds, like, because Duncan the Diving Horse, mm. like, they played that totally real. Yeah. Like, the yeah. horse just being so reluctant and them just tilting the diving board and he's, like, climbing up on the smallest part before he reluctantly yeah. falls. And when yeah. they winch him back up, he's just like, all right, let's do this. The audience yeah. is absolutely horrified. <laughs> so I found another great little wacky line of Homer going, that horse doesn't win, we're going to take a trip to the glue factory <laughs> and he's not going to come. And then Lenny's like, yeah, that's a great tour. Can't do it all in one day, though. Oh. <laughs> it, like it's the Louvre. <laughs> yeah, yeah so great. The Glouvre. Ooh, I like <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, yeah, any other wackiness stand out to you, Sean? Look, that it, I just refer to him as Frank Sinatra, kid. It's not... Yeah. W- wait, like, what? Like, it was kind of just weird and out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, no. Is this what the episode is? Because that was like the first low point for me is just mm. weird Frank Sinatra kid. And then it kind of t- took a turn for the better. As far, as far as, no, I think that's that's really what I have in terms of wackiness. Yeah, the all these like little things are so indicative of the episode at a whole, as a whole. Like, yeah, just weird little Frank Sinatra kid. Yeah. And it's just, and I think this episode, I think it is polarizing because of all these little things. Because like, yeah, the Mo thing, the Frank Sinatra kid, Duncan as a whole, and then the jockeys could see where people could go either way on them mm. well yeah. not the jockeys i could only expect people that hate that but i don't know you said you like the song like i yeah. did like the song um. I, f- I found sinatra kid kind of weirdly endearing 
because it was so <laughs> out of place, I kind of find it interesting. It's like, I know, that, and I also knew the episode wasn't going to be about him. But yeah, just bringing in that New York swagger with the ring-a-ding-ding and oh, what a fruit fly and yeah. Yeah. It's odd, but there's so much more wackiness to go over, mm-hmm. but let's just go over to the heart. Did you guys feel any bumps? I mean, Bart's relationship with Duncan is kind of cute, but there's not too yeah. much there. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I didn't really feel much heart, but I, I did, especially in the first 10 minutes, I really appreciated how they showed that every Simpsons family member is really on board with Lisa's cool song and cool playing. Like even even Bart, because that, mm. that ties into a lovely line. He's like, man, Lisa really rocks. Yeah. yeah. Also almost made a wish like I did something with my life. Oh, well. <laughs> Which is both consistent with Bart's character and proves that it's not just, let's just shit on Lisa all the time for no reason. Like there's genuine yeah. relationships and complexity between mm. all the family members. Yeah, and like the back and forth of, honey, that was the best version of living in America I've ever seen. Third best for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or even Homer just oblivious as, yeah, Lisa's losing the contest and just that hearty thumbs up. And yeah. He <laughs> yeah, doesn't know what's going on but wants to be supportive. Yeah. So, yeah, it's weird in this episode, yeah, with a horse, when Lisa has professed her love of horses so much throughout the years, and she's just not involved with the Duncan storyline yeah, at all. Well, yeah. she's obsessed with writing injustices. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've already sort of hung on it with in the episode with comic book guy, you know, mm. calling them up on their shit, like... Mom, I think you're developing a gambling problem. Hey, I'm watching you. Yeah. But yeah, if Lisa was involved with the Duncan storyline, maybe it would have edged a bit too close to Lisa's pony. But yeah, I mean, or maybe it just goes the other way in that she's kind of realized, you know, maybe you shouldn't be exploiting this horse and doing all this stuff. Like, I'm kind of against this, actually. It's weird that she didn't have like either a love for ponies or a kind of a, a dislike for what they're doing with uh, Duncan. So it's just, yeah, it's kind of weird to not have Lisa involved. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Duncan's not at a stable or anything. He's just at the house. Yeah. So <laughs> that's not enough room for a horse. Like, her story was going all right until the band contest ended. Mm. And then it was just her writing a complaint letter and then fucking Bill Clinton comes in at the end. It's just. Although I do love it's like, well, I was going to give you the Good Spirit Award, but now I'm just going to be sick. Yeah. <laughs> I did like that from the Comptroller. And, like, yeah, yeah the, the Sportsmanship Award is, like, way bigger than the fucking yeah. <laughs> plaque they would have gotten for winning first place anyway. That's, yeah, some good shit. But, yeah, otherwise, there's not really much to talk about with the heart, is there? Not really. No, not really. But did it feel like an episode of The Simpsons? Again, until things took a hard turn on the Wacky Street. Yeah. 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 Like, it does, because I, I think it, you know, it comes down to what I, I really value over at least my remembrance of The Simpsons, which is, are they acting like themselves, mm. and are their relationships stable, and are people there for a reason, and uh, does things, for the most part, make sense? And yes, it does. So, it did I did get that wave of, of why I love The Simpsons, which mm. started from the moment I got the actual classic opening credits to the first mm. 10, or at least all up until f- fucking Jockeyland. <laughs> And, oh, and during that song as well, there was one jockey that was obviously Nancy Cartwright. And yeah. Really took me out of it. Yeah, as, as if you weren't out of it already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is basically like a new Homer job slash new Bart project. Uh, that's, you know, Simpsons bread and butter right there. So, yeah. yeah. And yeah, we've seen Bart's empathy for animals before, you mm-hmm. know, got that elephant. and Well, I kind of love, hate how they got there because, you know, Homer's teaching Duncan how to play football. He's doing really well. So you think you're going like an air bud kind of situation. He's like, yeah. And let me just check if horses can play in the NFL. Don't. <laughs> Which was a bit, nah, Oh, but, I liked uh, that. Yeah. But <laughs> I feel like he trained him first, then looked it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then, yeah, Bart's just like, hey, he's actually a pretty good runner. He's like, hmm, race horse. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, but yeah, character integrity. I think 
I don't think there's any like super big breaks. It's just, yeah, the show as a whole doesn't feel like The Simpsons in the third act. Yeah, like I said, all the wackiness leading up to it, I could kind of be on board with. What do you reckon, Sean? Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with you. Like, it's one of those things where, as a whole, like, I, I agree. Everyone's acting like themselves. And, and I'll talk about it later. But I, in terms of, like, what I would change, like, I, all I wanted, really, from them is to see more of Marge and Lisa. I kind of just wanted, oh, I, I kind of want to see more of that plot line. Yeah. Because I'm quite in- interested in it. But, you know, everyone's still acting like themselves. You know, whenever you have a, a Homer Bart plot line, it's usually we also then get to focus on Marge and Lisa and them going, well, what crazy hijinks can we get up to? Yeah, it's sort of, now that you mention it, it's weird to me that they set up Marge like having splurged on all these crappy products she's bought at the county fair for them mm-hmm. not to come into use that they all they did was spray the jockeys with super soakers well, i didn't want to say she she underfed the mop and it died <laughs> imagine if she brought the mop back to eat the jockeys just think oh. about that sentence elliot <laughs> think about that sentence long and hard yep nah i'm on board just mop all the jockeys in the world <laughs> but yes or no would you watch this one again yeah i mean yeah if if nothing else, it's just it's it's a fun episode, and, and then it's kind of a good it's a good kind of insight into where Simpsons starts to explore with what will be new Simpsons. I think it's an important episode in in that capacity as well. Yes, this might be the one where Tim Long loses his mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I absolutely think this episode needs to be studied, and you know, as does Tim Long, <laughs> <laughs> as do jockeys. Mm. Like, there's just so many fascinating things about like. Yeah, this is a, an important episode in The Simpsons history, but not because it is an amazing episode, mm. because it is definitely a turning point for them. And yeah, what season was this again? Eleven. Eleven. Yeah, I think yeah. this is like the literal pinpoint moment where it turns into New Simpsons. Yeah, because even you know, I reckon there's you could consider a lot of season ten classic Simpsons. Mm. A lot but- of good stuff there. Max Power is in season 10. Exactly. But then, yeah, season 11 has like shit like this and Mad, 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 Mad Marge and mm. Melly Gibson's episode. And mm. yeah, it's definitely the turning point. Mm. But, you know, I think the episode as well works in, it's a great episode. Then the third act comes around and then just go make yourself a sandwich. Yeah. Yes. Go yes, indeed. order yourself a short and have a chef yell fuck and throw feta cheese and bread at you. I'm glad you brought that up because I could not for the life of me remember what my sandwich was. <laughs> we can always check it out on the hidden sandwich board on thesimpsonsindex.com. It's not hidden very well. Guess you just, well, you're dealing with Squarespace. They're not great <laughs> at hiding things. But they are great at making user-friendly uh, website building creation tools. Available now. Hey. We are not sponsored by them, but we should be. Yes. Uh, uh, anyway, uh, but you know, <laughs> might watch this again. What playlist would this go in? What Simpsons episodes pair well with this one? Uh, I'd like to make a playlist of Lenny's eye. Oh, uh, yep. So when they're yes. at the fair and there's, they're, they're looking at those goggles that protect your eyes when you're taking the rubber band off the newspaper, and Lenny's like, too late for Lenny. <laughs> so put this with uh, when he's like, ah, oh, my eye, I'm not supposed to get pudding in it. Yep, and Jigsaws as well, and that time uh, Homer's little springy yep. got caught in yep. Lenny's and Moe's eye. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd put it in a playlist of the Simpsons family and sports, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, Homer becoming a coach for Bart's football team Lisa's or hockey. his... Yeah. His foray into baseball as a mascot, like every time they kind of delve mm. into a particular sport for the first time. And softball as a player, yeah, that'd be a great yeah. one. But okay, let's let's try and break this open and see what we can work with. BT, what would you like to change? That third act. <laughs> That's it. That's what I want to change. I was having a pretty good time up until then. How about you, Sean? What would you like to change? 
I would like to see more of the Marge and Lisa storyline. I'd, I'd love to really explore like kind of how, because you know, when Lisa gets really obsessed with something and, and against her, for, for better or worse, she just really can't let it go. And sometimes it's petty and that's what is great. Like I like exploring that Lisa, she's an eight-year-old kid mm-hmm. as well. So she just gets petty about things and really kind of not letting it go. And then Marge really having to like kind of, Lisa, it's okay. Like this, And whether we take a lot of what made that third act, that third act and just kind of, you know, eliminate the whole jockey storyline and then find a way to really explore that a bit more I would have been very interested Mm. and whether you know you said this before maybe it's Marge's kind of foray into weird products from the fair that kind of factors into the resolution of the A plot I don't know yeah look it's not that I didn't like the Lisa storyline but I think it does get in the way here like I think there is a number of ways you can get into the county fair or the state unfair, as it was. Yes, uh, Lisa, that's what I meant. The state zing. unfair. Actually, my screwing that up reminded me of a joke I liked at the start where he's like, we're good enough to go to the county fair. And there's no reaction. I mean, the state fair. <gasps> yeah! <Woo! laughs> I, I really enjoyed that joke. Yeah, I think if you can get into the state fair some other way and have Lisa involved in the horse storyline, I think, yeah, you were saying, Sean, have her rally against the horse racing industry, but, you know, be mixed on it because she likes having a horse around. I hmm. think it's weird that she was sidelined in this episode about a horse. Again, you don't want it to feel too much like Lisa's pony, but, you know, they're going down this road again. They did something objectively interesting and different mm-hmm. with it. I just think it's a shame that Lisa wasn't involved. And, yeah, it almost goes without saying, but reinforce it. What the fuck were they thinking with the fucking jockeys? It's but, just- but get it, Elliot, the jockeys get wet. Like, come on. And they live in a fiberglass tree. Yeah. You know, in the, you know, uh, Lisa's rival episode where Bart's plan is to get Alison wet and that's going to stop her. It clearly <laughs> would have worked because you get jockeys wet and they just stop being your antagonist. Yeah. They That'll ju- learn them good. They just fall over and slip down the drain like a dinosaur sponge. I mean, that's ridiculous. You have to put them in a garbage bag, Elliot. God, <laughs> if you're going to be serious, why do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, look, I can't believe it. We're here. But, uh, the, the, uh, um, who's going to go first? Sean, do you have any other notes? I have a lot of notes. And once again, I'm just going to focus on on all the things that I really liked because I've got a lot of notes from the first half. But basically, I Good love... positive uh, Sean. I, I know. Look, and I'll flip it and I'll go for the negatives in the classics if I can find them. Um, (laughs) Good luck. Little attention to detail. Like, I love exploring lore in TV shows. The fact that we bring up Ogdenville again. Um, I love the attention to detail and when Homer's being an absolute ass when he's calling out to the band and he's dancing. It's not just that everyone's staring at him and just going, ugh, who is this person? Some of them are still grooving along. Some are staring at him. Some change their mind halfway through. Some nice little attention to detail. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that Marge doesn't call it betting. She says, oh, I just don't know who to vote for. (laughs) (laughs) Very Um, Oh, that's right. And he points out, I think you want that line over there for the wuss bets. Again, another thing I use all the time. And also a good use of your Chief Wiggum, which is, uh, I'd rather let a thousand guilty men go free than chase after them. (laughs) And finally, the other Chief Wiggum line, which is, you know, it's such a good comment. This is animal cruelty. Do you have a permit for that? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. How about you, BT? Any other notes? Yeah, for sure. Um, Omer deep fries his shirt. (laughs) Is that Siege? I told you they could do it. I didn't say they couldn't. I said you shouldn't. Uh, Homer is food. Yeah, put this in with the uh, Treehouse of Horror where he has Donut Head. Yeah. Um, I like when the horse is strapped to the roof of the car and then taking him home. He's like, tunnel, <laughs> ducks. Yeah. See, there's an act break joke. Yeah. 
like the last episode just the act break jokes fell so flat and yeah here's one where it fucking yep yeah uh, and then homer's line was like lisa's like hey did you use my bracelet as a nose ring possessions are fleeting <laughs> and again it's just a little pass by line it just goes just good. so wistful and philosophical there like yeah and uh, my final note is when uh like you know if duncan wins this race he can go out to stud and then homer's like well it is the good life mm. Being a stud, <laughs> it's weird how he was getting like all horse horny later on. In the, can you imagine her face on her body? That was and, just odd. Yeah. And now yeah. horse horny is the thing that I will be using in real life. <laughs> <laughs> and it's time for my final notes. I love when the jockeys are saying to Homer, "You think your horse can run the race?" And he's like, "Well, he we ran all the way here." <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, my final note is: Yeah, did we hit on enough about? president clinton's appearance in this episode and how wacky it was at the end yeah not really because just what... here lisa here's your trophy i'm a bad president bye yeah but mm. there's also kind of the weird anti-moral of if you've got a problem just complain until it gets better yeah and then it ends with a cartoonish like circle around clinton's face as he does like this upper lip biting his lower ones like oh look yeah. at me what biting, biting his lip that's a horny clinton <laughs> <laughs> keep him away from those horses it's time to rank this thing and it's bt's turn to do the unenviable task of starting the rankings for this episode no i think i know where i want to sit on this one look i could have given this a silver if it wasn't for their wacky as hell conclusion which just spoils it and it's so weird because they're only like three scenes of wacky jockiness that if you come up with anything else i probably would have had some fun with this so I'm going to give it a bronze. I'm going to give it the rare rank of a cubic bronze because <laughs> it's such a weird episode. You kind of want to see it. Yeah. So much like cubic failure where it's so terrible you have to see it. I think this is a good argument for where did the Simpsons jump the shark? And it's just, I think it is absolutely a turning point for their humor. And man, just, you've got to witness this one. Yep. How about you, Sean? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to be in the same kind of boat as uh, BT. And I actually wrote down a note. I said, first 10 minutes, gold. Mm. And I meant that both in a ranking way and in a in a Sean way. It's just, it's gold, baby. Yep. But then it just kept, as you said, Elliot, it just, the, the rank kept going down as we went. And I just, I can't, I want to give it a silver, but I just kind of compare it to a lot of other silvers that I believe we have voted for in the past. And it just doesn't quite meet it. But it's a very good rumination on where, you know, it's a kind of a perfect blend on what Simpsons does really Really well and what they do really badly and it is that nice little kind of look into the past and what made future great and just kind of foreshadowing what's to come so it's a really interesting episode and in how you know you can have moments of of wackiness like mo having a, a real goddamn heart attack but then also <laughs> everything to do in, in jockey land and so i i think it's okay like it's good i was entertained i laughed at a lot there's a lot of notes positive notes that i made in the first 10 minutes but yeah a cubic bronze <laughs> We uh, have said often on this podcast, you know, it's so important for an episode to stick the landing because, mm. you know, an episode that finishes better than it started will always feel better at the end. And, you know, much like the same reason we now start with the HD era episodes rather than, you know, the first few episodes of the podcast where we ended with it because we wanted to end strong. Yeah. and. This is a weird example of an episode, and I think, yeah, turning point is a great phrase for it because, like, I've said a lot that The Simpsons, it didn't, like, suddenly become a bad show. It was more of a gradual decline. Mm. But in this one, you can see a just genuine pivot point mm. in this episode. And, yeah, it, it turns on a dime. It's 
fascinating <laughs> um, yeah i'm rambling up to it like i think the ending letting me down i'm gonna give it a little bit of leeway and give it a silver mm. because i think yeah it was never going to be a cubic episode but i was having such a good time and there's so many great jokes that i quote over the years that giving it bronze sort of just feels a little too harsh yeah, for me yeah. But yeah, I can't ignore the jockey ending. And but yeah, it's why I'm going down to a silver rather than giving it a gold. Yeah, because even like even the jockey ending, you keep the spirit of it, but don't make them pixie elves. Like just say they're in some kind of mafia and they threaten to kill Homer if he wins. Elliot, uh, you are you have persuaded me. Oh, you have persuaded me, sir. You're going no, up. You know, I'm going up to a silver. You know, I, I think, you know what? I'm doing what I said I, I was going to do off air, which is I need to check in with myself. And mm -hmm. g genuinely, I I look at the amount of notes and positive notes that I'm putting up into that first 10, 15 minutes. And I enjoy myself a lot more than a bronze. So I, I need to be real and I need to be I need to be fair. It is a silver. All right, cool. And BT, you're happy where you're at? Um, always. <laughs> always happy. Always oh happy. <laughs> All right, well, that'll be a dull silver. This will be the first episode from season 11 to be called a dull silver. Yeah, it'll be joining some other Teens Era episodes like The Old Man and the Sea Student. That's, oh, with Springy. We mentioned him yeah, before. Yeah. Simpsons Bible Stories, which yeah, is a yeah, weird comp bag, yeah. Yeah, compilation <laughs> episode. And 24 Minutes, the 24 parody. I like that one. Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, this is an episode which definitely transcends our ranking it's, scale. It's a tough one for sure. Yeah. What do you think at home? Yeah, it's one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, the ranking isn't like representative of the episode. It mm -hmm. is something that needs to seem to be truly understood. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, while you're listening to us rate on the Simpsons Index, you should rate the Simpsons Index on iTunes or any <laughs> any good uh, any good places where you can rank the apps and let us know what you thought of this episode. There you go, spruked for you. Damn, <laughs> smooth Sean with the segways. Mm -hmm. All right, guys. Well. That's it. The future is behind us. Let us get right into the past where we go to the season six episode and Maggie makes three. Oh. I am so oh. looking forward to this episode. Do you know what happens in it? I'm still trying to figure out how the future is in the past. But uh, uh. Oh, because uh, the Let future guess, episodes. Is this when, where Homer gets sand in his underpants? <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> All right, we're going to go watch that. We'll be back. Sand in his underpants. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. I have to turn to the other page. And we are back, and we just watched our classic and final episode for the day, and fuck me, what a classic this was. Mm. This was Season 6, Episode 13, and Maggie Makes 3. First released in January of 1995, it was directed by future alum Swinton O'Scott III. Best name. Future Armor alum or future future armor alum? Future future? Future future armor alum. As in, he hasn't happened yet? Future alarm is not a good sentence. Future, future alarm. Oh, right. <laughs> future alarm is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I am alarmed. <laughs> and yes, Winton O'Scott. Yeah, you're very familiar with him. Hey, Sean? Swinton. I am. He is quite a prolific director for uh, a little old TV show that I have been doing a podcast for for the last couple of years. Oh, really? really? Interesting. Yeah, it's called Game of Thrones. No, uh, <laughs> so this is this is very clearly uh, Futurama. And he does uh, one of my favorite episodes, which is 300 Big Boys. And mm. one of everyone's favorite episodes, which is Jurassic Bark. The one that tears your heart in three. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Clearly got a knack for the heartstrings. Although I think 300 bucks is my favorite. So, uh. Oh, just the way they use the ensemble cast in that episode mm -hmm. is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Just Fry becoming a otherworldly being once he drinks 300 <laughs> cups of coffee. Oh, sorry, 100 yeah. cups. As someone who has to cut down his coffee intake because I think it's actually giving me palpitations, mm-hmm. I don't envy <laughs> Fry. You're turning into a hummingbird of some kind. Uh, it's like we were uh, saved by an orange blur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it was written by Jennifer Crittenden, and this was her first writing credit for The Simpsons. Really? And yeah, 23 years old at the time, and she was plucked out of like an accelerated program. And yeah, first episode of The Simpsons written at 23, and it's fucking this one. God damn. That is work. crazy. Amazing. That is absolutely insane. And in this episode, this is the one where Homer tells the story of how Maggie was born. Guys, what did you think? I'm not crying, you're crying. <laughs> <laughs> We're all Look, crying. Considering this is the first time in, in what is it, two hours that I've been given goosebumps by The Simpsons, I think it's done mm. pretty well for itself. Yeah, ah, uh, fucking... I was genuinely welling up at that mm. last moment. And oh, like, yeah. I've seen this episode a million times. I knew it was coming, but I was like, oh, the music and the photos and the do yeah. it for her. Fuck. Yeah, it's one I've seen a million times, but I've not seen it for a good long time. So, yeah, yeah, I was, I was very interested to go into this one and, like, how does this hold up? And, uh, yeah, i got to say, it, it does. Yeah. Curiously, when you when you get episodes like this, the ones that you know are quintessential Simpsons episodes, are there any ones that haven't lived up to the hype? The ones that you came in going, nah, this is this is perfect, this is great, and then it hasn't quite lived up to that expectation? I recently reviewed Camp Krusty didn't really yeah. stand up as well as I thought it would. Yeah, I don't think there have been any that have been, like, genuinely bad, but definitely not as much of a highlight as we thought. Yeah. Yeah. Because especially that one is, like, it's iconic because it's taking The Simpsons in a different spot, so Mm. it sticks out more in the mind. Whereas, I remember when we went into doing Mr. Plow, I was like, (laughs) like, the Mr. Plow aspect is so iconic, you know, is this episode going to live up? But that episode is relentless with its joke telling. It is so fucking tight. But I mean, off the top of my head, yeah, Camp Krusty's the only one that's sort of sticking I'm out. I'm sure there's others that did well but didn't do as well as we thought or something like that. I guess because um, that was our Amazon women in the mood where we, we was, you know, everyone remembers Snoo Snoo from Futurama, <laughs> but we left that going, huh, more problematic than we remembered. <laughs> no, I remember because I love watching Futurama and then listening to you guys on your podcast, Start Up and Take My Podcast, and... I remember that at the time when I, yeah, saw you guys were doing Amazon women in the mood. I watched the episode and I was like, huh. And then I listened to your podcast and you guys were also like, huh. huh. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'll forgive it entirely for, well, it's built like a steakhouse, but it handles like a bistro. Yeah. <laughs> you win oh, again, and also, gravity. Yeah. And also <laughs> B. Arthur, one of the best cameos, a best voiceover artist that came into the mm. show. Oh, yeah. Playing Sonia. <laughs> yeah. That was very good. Oh, but yeah, The Simpsons, this yeah. episode. Sean, for better or worse, what's a e- uh, moment that stands out to you? The fact that characterization actually makes sense into this and i'm going to focus on homer it is homer actually being the perfect blend of humorous and also like he's not dumb he's not unintelligent Mm. it actually makes sense when he doesn't understand things like advanced marketing or even basic (laughs) marketing or even just what the hell does marketing actually mean i love that like yeah his solution to this is throw out the complicated books and work on the easier ones not like keep the books and work up to them it's just like nut just throw them out out entirely and he just ends with him just staring at a bowling ball going how do i sell you of course (laughs) (laughs) it it just really makes sense and it's not insulting the audience's intelligence you know what i mean and and like with latter episodes they're insulting the 
audience intelligence by making thinking that you're just going to forget about this character from 30 years ago. But it's like, it's clearly a, a well-crafted complex character that isn't just dumb for the sake of being dumb. It's, you know, he ain't a smart man, but also he knows mm-hmm. how to balance a budget and he can make, you know, proper decisions yeah. as a family member. And he does fly by the seat of his pants and stay in the impulse zone a lot, but also oh, yeah. he's <laughs> still a human being. Yeah. And I like in this episode because he's been always shown to be a bad nuclear power plant employee, but, mm. you know, given the right environment and the right motivation, even working for less money, Homer can excel. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I do like his whole montage of he sprays down the shoes with deodorant, he's like, mmm, bowling fresh, yeah. and then, mm, <laughs> urinal fresh. But yeah, he's such a good but, employee to the point that, you know, Uncle Al will look over the fact that he put his head in the shino bolo. Well, he said he didn't. What, are you going to distrust him? <laughs> <laughs> Giving us uh, Baldy something to aspire to. <laughs> I'm still looking for a shino ballo. If any, I'll let you know. <laughs> if any bowling alleys that are, happen to be listening right now, I'm assuming you're playing the Simpsons Index over the bowling alley speakers. Everyone loves it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, BT? What stands out to you for better or worse? I mean, this is a hard one to pick moments from, other than you know, it's big hard moment. But I feel like we'll get to that anyway. No, I just want to talk about some of the great lines that come out of this. So I mentioned it going into the episode of. Marge, I've got sand in my underpants. <laughs> and just how gleefully he comes back and pads more and shakes it around. He's Gives a little sand shimmy. Life. Yeah, a little shimmy. Oh, just the crevices that sand has gotten into. See, <sighs> I fucking hate the beach and oh, sand in yes. underpants is one of them. It's where water like, meets dirt. I'm sorry, but he, he has to be a sociopath. Like how, <laughs> what, what person willfully shove sand in their underwear like i just um, um, it's no just absolutely not and you are a bad human being if you do <laughs> i really hope he had a shower before they made maggie really really hope so mm. but also the line of when he's you know because what i like about this episode is it's just how happy homer is in the bolorama mm. and it's kind of really heartbreaking to watch him struggle with that because he's finally happy like you're saying he excels at this place he's actually a good employee he even has a line i've never been good enough to deserve a raise before but i'm damn good at this job yeah but no just him just making the prayer of dear lord just freeze everything exactly the way it is if you agree to this give me absolutely no sign that will be done and then he's just like to cement our deal i give you this offering of cookies and milk if you want them to eat me want me to eat them for you give me absolutely no sign that will be done I just <laughs> how much quicker his response to getting the cookies is. I think it's just a great bit of comedic timing. He's like, I mean, the perfect life is nice, but cookies. No, and it is doing this thing that this episode does so well is, yeah, tying in these hilarious jokes with, yeah, all these sentimental moments. And, mm. yeah, I think what stands out to me, just a general point, is like, you know, in comparison to a lot of season six episodes where my note-taking hand is just on fire because of how mm. relentless the episode is, is you know delivering excellent jokes and plot you know this one's a bit of a slower burn and i think it works because of that but yeah um the weighting of the jokes to emotional storyline mm. is like especially in that scene where homer does leave the bolorama and you know he got that jacket that he eyed off yeah. earlier in the episode and they put a funny pun on the back mm-hmm. and everyone's like oh so sad hey i know what'll cheer us up Bowling! Bowling! Hey, hey, it's a bowler, yeah! And then even under this soundtrack, a really sad, somber soundtrack, you can just hear all these people having fun, just really undercutting the moment in a really good way. You know, what we talk about a lot in the newer era of Simpsons is when it lacks that transitional music, and this yeah. is an amazing moment of that transition. You get the people having a good time with the bowling armor, kind of fade out. You got this very bleak soundtrack with kind of like a funeral bell tolling. And uh, it just adds so much more weight to it. And that final sting with Do It For Her has that sweet sentimental music playing. It just lands it so much harder for having its proper music stings in this. 
God, it's it's fantastic. You know, you've mentioned about five things in the in those last couple of paragraphs, Elliot, where I go, okay, no, 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 shut up about that. That'll go into the different sections because there's just so much to talk <laughs> about. Things that go into yeah. the heart or the wackiness or all all that sort of thing. It's just like there's just so much good about this episode, and I am excited to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's not like your rapid fire comedy, but it's still so well structured and built and paced. And yeah, I had the biggest goofy smile on my face during this entire thing, just because the weight of the great jokes just carries you through in the mood and yeah all yeah. that's super good well yeah getting into all that stuff and i think one of the wacky things about this episode that it does really well is doing a big general parody of the characters telling a story within mm. the tv show i love a lot yeah. and there are so many funny wacky tropes that are played with that like when <laughs> they come back from the ad break and homer just, his head explodes yeah because bart's telling the story <laughs> i just I, and I enjoy the kind of humor of they know they're a tv show like when yeah. you know homer you had a head and your body was a little bigger yeah <laughs> and uh, even before that when you know why are there no pictures of maggie oh well that's an interesting story i'm glad you asked <laughs> Oh, and it's kind of really interesting to kind of look back on the 90s and even the noughties to an extent, but even then it was kind of petering out by that point. Like we, all of us, grew up in the time when sitcoms were king and queen. You know what I mean? Like where yeah. even now I think the last of the the shows like, you know, Big Bang Theory and, and How I mm. Met Your Mother and Two and a Half Men, those were kind of the last vestiges of the multi-camera sitcom. Whereas back yeah. then, that was these shows to watch, your Fresh Prince, your Seinfeld and Friends and all that. And a lot of them really took note of utilizing that, you know, well, we don't want to write this week, let's do a clip show. And so it's yeah. The Simpsons really playing on that, you know what, there's a thunderstorm or there's something that forces us to be home together and let's just talk about things that happened and it felt like a bit of a wink and a nod to that sort of style mm. too and i like that it does start with uh, marge insisting on an hour of family time and they're just sitting in the silence like <laughs> i don't know let's get the photo album yeah hey, look night boat <laughs> and here's our tv next to a mirror it looks like we have two yeah it's sort of weird how like Lisa and Bart are initially like pretty bored with Nightboat, but then reminiscing about it, they get oh wow nostalgia. Oh, Nightboat! That episodes before we weren't disillusioned and figured yeah. out that every episode ends with a canal or a fjord. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's bad, but remember when we thought it was good? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, too. And uh, I love this as <laughs> this bit as well where Homer like. You can hear the counter ticking along, and then yeah. it's just a shot on margin. You hear it rapidly speeding up. Like, <laughs> oh, amazing sound effect, Jack, right there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what were some other wacky moments that stood out to you? I mean, my other favorite nod to this being an episode was, uh, you know, Bart and Lisa get up. I was like, hey, where are you going? Oh, Dad, you can't expect someone to sit still for 30 minutes. I'm going to the bathroom, maybe going to get a snack. And Marge is just like, I'm going to stay here, but I might think about products I might like to buy. Ooh, ooh. Oh, I don't have that. <laughs> Oh, I'd love it if they yeah just had Marge doing that commentary over the actual ad breaks. <laughs> that would be impressive and really increase my likelihood to buy them. Actually, Sean, just out of curiosity, speaking of multicam sitcoms before, have you watched the Big Show show yet? I have not. I am, look, that's my rainy day show. It's going to be when I am really sick and there's nothing else to watch and I'm going to be like, okay, let's watch this train wreck. Because I feel like it's going to be a nod back to really cheesy wholesome family time shows yeah like to me it's i don't know if you know about this nope. one peter yeah it is a like laugh track sitcom mm. with mm. featuring the big show who was a professional wrestler oh and you know what he's like because i've watched the first episodes he's a, he's not a horrible actor mm. but no, he's also he's, not good he's likable <laughs> right the kids are acting circles around him 
and it's like yeah telling the story of uh he's retired now and uh, yeah, how he has to be a dad but also being you know a seven foot giant <laughs> which is also weird because i'm pretty sure one of the first things he did was he was in the water boy wasn't he with adam sandler yeah oh, that's right, right. He does have an acting career behind him. Yes. Yeah. Mm. As well he as being a professional. A career. <laughs> have we ever considered having a laugh track for this show? <laughs> yeah, that's basically uh, me. That's just you. Yeah, yeah I'm a chuckly guy. <laughs> no, I'm the same. All right, Shut Up has it. a boo track. We'll just have a boo track. That'd be great. It's more in keeping. <laughs> for all the puns. All the puns. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's definitely got a... This sitcom's not good enough for primetime, so mm. we're going to stick it on at 3 p.m., you know, on weekdays. Yeah. It's always stick not... around forever, though. Yeah. Like, Rules of Engagement, I feel like I always stumbled into that one. No idea. David Spade oh. and Patrick Yeah. Warburton. And does that have, like, yeah. an absurdly large number of seasons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, more yeah. than it should. Yeah. Like, I found out Grey's Anatomy is still on somehow. Oh, that's a great sitcom. It's not. <laughs> but that's not the point. point is, it's still on. It's like... <laughs> Wait, really? (laughs) Sean, were there any other wacky moments that stood out to you? I mean, I guess in talking about the head exploding is is I love how they use the unreliable narrator to then set up the joke that comes after that, which is get your bowling, get your bowling, chucking, uh, you know, shooting the shotgun in the air and Mm. make him tell the story correctly. No, that's actually what happened, which, you know, (laughs) is a good joke. It's a good punchline and it's still in keeping with Homer. So yeah. you're ticking all my boxes. Yeah, that's technically your comedy threes. You got your setup where Homer tells like the terrorist taking over the nuclear plant, unreliable yeah. narrator. Then you got Bart as the reminder when he makes Homer's head explode, unreliable narrator. And then you have this payoff where it's not being an unreliable narrator. That's what really happened. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's a perfect blending of wacky and, and groundedness. Oh, absolutely. And Homer's head exploding. I still remember being a kid and them using that shot of Homer's head exploding for the new season six promos. And I was like, what the fuck happens in that episode? Does Homer die? <laughs> no, Homer need head. <laughs> Why would his head inflate while he's in bed? I'm scared of bed now. <laughs> scared? What? It made head explode? No. <laughs> go to bed, lose your head. <laughs> well, it rhymes. It must be true. I thought you said go to bread. That explains why you don't eat bread. Another um, bit of wackiness is Mr. Burns gets paralyzed with rage and island rhythms. <laughs> He's getting a good sound out of him. <laughs> Just that whole I quit rant as well. Because I quit, I can do anything that I want. <laughs> Such a nice desk. Be a shame if someone didn't use a coaster. <laughs> I love it as well because, you know, everybody's got their idea in their head about yeah. how they'd quit in blazing glory. Oh, it's a nice, yes. tidy office. Maybe it's time you started living like a pig. Just <laughs> one piece of paper falls out of the trash can. And yeah, the literal burning of a bridge as he exits the nuclear <laughs> power. Just in case you didn't get it. Yeah. Like, the geography of The Simpsons and Springfield is, you know, iffy at best. Mm. But yeah, for this joke, apparently the nuclear power plant has a moat. Oh yeah, speaking of geography mm. problems, I have a Jordan's anal corner. Jordan! Oh wait, no. We, we, we don't yell at anyone. That's why we say it. Nope. You know, a little bit closer to smooth NPR. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the bit where Homer carries Marge in, up to their bedroom, he actually comes in through the ensuite door, which is now a hallway. But uh. in the very next scene, it's back to being an ensuite. I mean, come on. <laughs> Unreliable narrator. Mm. I mean, that's kind of the leeway I'll give it is, you know, that's the memory of it. Yeah. It's not always exactly accurate. But yeah, just while we're on continuity errors, I think, yeah, it's pretty well documented that... Yeah, during, first of all, yeah, Marge telling Homer that she's pregnant with Bart. Mm. There's a framed photo of Lisa up the stairs. And again, Mm -hmm. when she tells him about Lisa. And then just before they're about to leave to go deliver Maggie, there is a giant framed picture of Maggie in the background. 
in the Simpsons house. If you're wondering how the Simpsons ever run into money later in the seasons is that they use their, their magic power of premonition for good <laughs> and for profit. Makes sense. Yeah, they they pushed Biff out of the way and got the almanac. <laughs> <laughs> so how about the heart of this episode? Did you guys feel the bar bumps? Oh, come on. It's got oh. all of the bumps. Oh, just at least two singular bumps. At least. It's, <laughs> it is the first time in this two hours of recording that I got literal goosebumps in that final moment. I, I did look away for a second and then when I looked back up, the quintessential image of Do It For Her was on and I, I got a tear and I got the goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, you know, a much more emotional charged and less jokes heavy episode is bound to do. Yeah, and I think it's amazing, you know, because unfortunately Maggie doesn't ever really have a lot to do in The Simpsons, and even she doesn't have a lot to do in this episode, to be mm. quite honest. But Well, she didn't exist yet. True. But <laughs> yeah, giving building this emotion and love around her, I think, was a really important step because Homer, unfortunately, does seem like he forgets, like he has a, another daughter at times, mm. even within this episode when he almost sits on her. Yikes. Yep. But it's a bit I really like right at the end after Marge gives birth and Homer's just standing there like, it's wonderful, it's magical, oh boy, here it comes, another mouth. And he's kind of only ever been focusing on the idea of a baby being a financial burden and not really thought of the baby being a person. And so that moment where he does meet Maggie and it's love at first sight and all that kind of stuff, it's really sweet because he's only been thinking about the numbers side of things, not the emotional side of things. And I think that's a, a great moment that really... You know, Homer's been on a hell of a journey. He got his dream job. He was actually happy at work. You know, I do like he restarts off. He's like, ah, another perfect day in my perfect life with my perfect job. And then everyone's all like, congratulations, a little bundle of joy. That's right. The bundle is little, but I'm not in it for the money. Oh, the the progression of Homer just being so (laughs) oblivious to everybody telling him about. Uh, Yeah, way to go. Way to get Mars pregnant. This is getting a little obscure, but thank you. I do enjoy (laughs) working in the bowling alley. What was the? It's, I think the word was abstract. 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 <laughs> and also, yeah. like, it's such a perfect way that the show kind of addresses what makes the stakes so high in a lot of those uh, in that classic era, which is the Simpsons aren't well off. They don't mm. have the money to just go off to Brazil or Australia or yeah. buy, you know, horses or all of these things. Like, it's all about the fact that they are, you know, a struggling family and the stakes mm. are high because it's really close to home problems and issues like how are we going to be out of budget to have this new baby in our lives or is that the job we can really afford to have at the moment or all all these things that kind of just fall by the wayside because you know when you get to the newer episodes all kind of bets are off they can just do whatever and then you have to kind of fabricate these stakes on top of that Mm. yeah they, they sacrifice the fancy quilted toilet paper Oh, and yeah, especially in these times, we know the importance of fancy quartered toilet paper. It's worth oh. its weight in blood. <laughs> I, I cannot even remember what fancy toilet paper feels like against my cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been toilet paper talk for this episode. <laughs> TP index. But ultimately, did it feel like an yes. episode of The Simpsons? Yes. Hold on, let me finish the question. No. Are the characters <laughs> behaving like themselves? Yes. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> of course they are. Like, it's just... So good, Elliot and BT. It's so good to see characters that you remember how they're meant to perform, act the way mm. they're meant to perform. Homer is not a complete outright idiot. Marge has a reasonable amount of skepticism involved in things that are going on, but she also has this love for family and growing and kind of sharing the love. Bart and Lisa are being 10 and 8 years old and their attention yeah. span cannot last for longer than 20 minutes at a time. Why would yeah. it? <laughs> like, God. Well, except in the flashbacks where Bart is Lisa's age and Lisa was the age Bart was several years ago. 
go. Yeah, but even things like, you know nothing about genetics, please. It goes boy, girl, boy, girl. <laughs> yeah. And it's the follow-up of, you're right about telling mom, a dad, aren't you, mom? But why do you say that? Well, you've been in my room for like four hours. <laughs> hey, I'm just hanging. <laughs> wonder what the conversation was leading up like, to that moment four hours later. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, the characters are behaving like themselves. Like, it's interesting in these flashback episodes, you know, where Homer and Marge got together. We got to see them at the end of the 70s or when Bart was a toddler and Lisa was getting born. We saw them in the 80s. And like Mm -hmm. this, we're just seeing them two years earlier. And I love Homer's like ramp into leading about, you know, what a time this was all the two years ago. And it's just the information superhighway allowed nerds to (laughs) argue about Star Trek and the domestication of the dog went on unabated. (laughs) Like, Homer, what? (laughs) Yeah, the integrity question's too easy, so let's move on to another one. Would you watch it again? Absolutely. Let's do it now for the fifth time, right? Why why not? (laughs) Why not? But before we do that, we must ask, what playlist would this episode go in? Homer's sperm. Homer's come. We see it again. (sighs) And we even see Homer doing a a visual act out of what his come would be doing. (laughs) (laughs) There is no segue here, but we'll go from the Homer's come playlist to Maggie as a baby playlist. Mm -hmm. And anything that involves Maggie being used in a... a plot satisfying way such as uh maggie and her teddy bear with mr burns that whole debacle i forget what Mm. it's called oh rosebud yeah we reviewed that a few episodes with the podcast we'll just tell your mother we ate it all what's with all these podcasts having very long names sean (laughs) (laughs) i have no idea what you're talking about i only do roll to cast and that is it (laughs) (laughs) roll to cast season two vampire the masquerade adelaide by night (laughs) shush shush shut up (laughs) Um, the history of Hibbert's haircuts. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's rocking like a 90s flat top in this episode. Mm-hmm. Looking very spiffy. Yep, I have a note that says Hibbert looks goddamn sexy. Yep, and that's the best of uh, Fashion Corner that we can muster. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I have also got um, Bowling Alley episodes as well. So yeah, Pin Pals sure. is the one that I think of. Oh, of course, yeah. And the less successful sequel, uh, no. Singing in the Lane. No. That episode sucks. Oh, no. Seriously? Yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just for mentioning this as well, because it's always been a weird thing with Simpsons fans, like, wait, it's Barney's Bolorama, but Barney seemingly has nothing to do with it, what? And, you know, it's probably just because they gave the Bolorama a name in season one and didn't think much of it. But yeah, they give a little... continuity, endless continuity. (laughs) But no, they give context for it, that yeah, Barney used to work at this Bolorama before he put Homer up for a job and was fired immediately. (laughs) But yeah, while people might think this is a weird thing for Uncle Al to name the business after his nephew this actually happened in my life because yeah my parents used to own the business clint's crazy bargains and clint you know they had partners in the business but none of them were called clint clint was the partner's son so yeah there we go was, it happened did you did you have a, a place in uh, new south wales called cunningham's warehouse or was that strictly an essay mm. uh thing because no, that's sound- yep Cunningham's Warehouse, and in his catchphrase was, uh, Dunno, Cunno. And it was all about $2 bargains, and the commercials were atrocious. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, the slogan is atrocious. Isn't it just? It makes no sense. It's weird because I feel like lately, Cunno and Cunny have been entering the vernacular as like a cute way to, you know, cuten up the word cunt. Who is doing that? That's where I thought you were going. Who's doing it? Oh, you little Cunno. (laughs) 
<laughs> I heard Alexi Toliopoulos say it. I mean, if just because you make a person up doesn't make it real. <laughs> You're such an unreliable narrator. <laughs> you know what? Whatever works, I guess. Kano is just as good as anything, I guess. <laughs> well, yeah, I know my parents definitely didn't call their business Kano's crazy buggers. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you use that in a sentence? Oh, yeah, come around on the weekend, mate. Tell you what, bring the little Kano's with you. Yeah, actually... <laughs> Literally? I think that sentence flowed. Just call them cunts. <laughs> what's wrong with you, cunts? Actually, you know what's funny with Clint's crazy bargains is they couldn't spell Clint in capital letters. <laughs> <laughs> yep, the kerning on that is very important. Yeah. So that's the Little Simpsons Index PSA. Just call people cunts. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else. All right, Sean, what would you like to change about this episode? Absolutely nothing. I know I promised everyone that I was going to focus on the negatives, but there isn't really that much. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, the negative is that I can't can't think of any negatives and in the end isn't that the real negative mm. Mm. bt all right so we open establishing shot of a sunset over venice then title card nightboat the series <laughs> 20 seasons all nightboat yeah i'm actually already got that in production so damn it why do i give all my good ideas away uh man no this one's like you could argue it could be funnier, but the jokes that are there are so good and they kind of just carry through so well that it doesn't need to be that rapid-fire pace. Everything's just such a great quality, and I really like the humanization story in this. I, again, I really forgot just how happy Homer was and how rarely you see that, I come to think of it. Mm. So, yeah, I love that struggle, and it's a working-class family struggle, and there's a big thing, especially in Western culture, that you have to make as much money as possible. It doesn't matter if you're miserable, you have to get the job that is going to give you the most and I love the idea that someone's just saying, no, I'd rather be happy and how much happier he is. So I really like that struggle of finding out, you know, Maggie's coming along. He tries his best his new job, but he has to give up, go somewhere he hates, but he does it for her. Goddamn. No, I wouldn't change a thing. No, like I agree. This, like I said it before, but in comparison to a lot of season six episodes, this isn't as like relentlessly funny. And you know, my note taking hand was reasonably comfortable throughout this episode. Yeah, lightly smoking, but not on fire. Yeah, but man, the weight that this episode carries and like the how it lands its moments so well, and it's just. It's a masterclass of writing. Like sometimes watching the new uh, seasons, I'm like. God, am I just jaded? Like, am I mm. purpose-built to not like this shit? But no, there are objective things we can point out and saying, this works, this doesn't. Yeah, I mean, the first episode we watched, that hummingbird feeder joke, I love that. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm really primed for this to be a great episode. And then, tank. Mm. Like, oh, but you started so well. Whereas this one gets rolling with the jokes and, and another episode where the Simpsons start out watching TV. I know, watching Nightboat chasing starfish poachers. Mm. <laughs> Fucking hell. Yeah, yeah. we're here. Sean, do you have any other notes? I have a few, and I'm just going to focus on a few select ones. Number one is the phone book gag. Yes. I, I see it coming, but obviously at the time I wouldn't have. It's just a perfect use of your Patty and Selmy. And a, you know what? Like, once again, it fits in character. Of course, that's how much of a cigarette they go through in the span of one mm. phone call. And of <laughs> course, they're going to do whatever it takes to really fuck with Homer. And, it's, you know, it's just a good bait and switch. Absolutely. And again, we talk about the power of music and atmosphere in The Simpsons. And mm. yeah, this is one just having this little orchestral mm. that, yeah, really sells that passage of time that makes that Aronson and Zakowski joke land so much harder. Mm -hmm. Oh, I've also got the uh, another use of your rule of three when you cut to the the hospital and you show a bit of a, a look into the life of Mayor Quimby, then a look into the life of a sea captain, and yep. then you go back to Homer and Marge. And it's a good way to utilize your periphery characters that aren't 
making them a part of the plot which is mm. and a part of the narrative, which is why Otto and Skinner from the first episode earlier made no sense because you're trying to shoehorn characters in and give them like a narrative purpose and look they're they're here and they're part of it and they're with it and it's like no you didn't you didn't earn that so to just mm. establish the simpsons in a new area in a hospital which is a place that we know and just have a few little gags to then bring us back to the story it's perfect writing yeah i mean the big difference between those is in this episode sea captain and may quimby being there they're there to tell a joke whereas in the first one skinner and otto are there and them being there is meant to be the entire joke yeah it's like mm. get it because they why are they here huh and like no that that's not you're not doing anything whereas this yeah they get quick little in punchline gone yeah and um then my final note is just going to be you know what the mary tyler moore joke which is just you know i'm going to make it after all he throws a yep. bowling ball in the air and it goes through the god dent well it <laughs> makes a sizable dent in it which is something that i've been worried about for years because my cousin that's how she throws bowling balls she what? she gives it a big underarm lob and it makes a hell of a noise and i've always been worried that it would go oh, through oh no <laughs> uh and you haven't suggested uh, maybe you should use the ramp just a thought. Uh, Maybe you should bowl the bowling ball. I mean, she's seen other people bowl, so I assume she is aware <laughs> of the technique. But, you know, she just she throws with gusto and no one's going to tell yeah. her otherwise. It'll be pretty amazing if she like, figures out that's like the most effective way to bowl and she ends up becoming a world-class bowler person. Oh, she's like, happy gills more gives this shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if, if nothing else, it's intimidating for the rest of us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, how about you, BT? Any other notes? Mm, plenty more. Let's see, I really like, so we don't talk about the couch gag often, but this little James Bond, Homer shooting, the, for some reason, he just looks so happy doing it. Yeah. He's got a little hand lift, a big smile, he's like, I shot you. <laughs> I know, something adorable about that. Hmm. When he starts the bowler arm, he says, okay, I'll well, start on Monday, bring three rags and a change of pants. When it happens, you'll know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what was that? Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I do love when uh, Homer's like, I've learned all the mysteries of the alley, like where the pins go after they're knocked down. Yes. And that classic little... Duh, duh, that is uh, Powerhouse by Raymond Scott. And oh. I only know that because in the Rush song, La Via Strangiato, they uh, quote that riff, and because it's Rush, then put it in a, a litany of odd time signatures. Oh, Rush. Sorry. Yeah, just a great little bit. I mean, I love a good conveyor belt gag every time. So, yeah, that one works for me. Conveyor belt humor is the best humor. <laughs> and I think uh. Insane in the Mainframe, Futurama episode, that is probably my favorite conveyor belt joke with Bender and Fry going into the robot Insane Asylum. <laughs> yep, I just <laughs> got the magnet bit. completely prodding Fry's ass over and over again in my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do like when Homer comes home as. What's going on? Looks like you're showering Marge with gifts. Oh. With teeny tiny baby sized gifts. Oh, I'll be in the tub. <laughs> yeah, he's got like a lot of company over clearly. He's like, eh, I'm going for a bath. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, whatever. This isn't me. Bye. Yeah. Boy, it's windy as hell out there. <laughs> <laughs> the door oh. close, have it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, such a good pointless misdirect. I like it. I like it a lot. Oh, yeah, when he's leaving, the that heart moment of working here was the happiest days of my life. I'll miss you too, Joey. We'll make it to California someday. Sure <laughs> we will. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what is this one-time fucking character? I love it. It's a little bit, is it Grapes of Wrath, I think? And, and you just you just know he's dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no way he survived. It's, it's too, it's, That's he my death a, tally. <laughs> he's a living tragedy, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I do really like Homer's at the front door. He's like, okay, you can't bring this kind of burden home to Marge. You've got to just stick it out and shoulder this yourself. 
says, hi, honey, how are you? Well, I can't live with this charade any longer. <laughs> God damn, this episode is amazing. Let's rank it. And Sean, you have the privilege of going first on this one. Look, it's going to be the cubic zirconia. There's a fundamental reason why, and it's something that I've found out with Futurama, is, you know, using my my foundational support for deciphering why a Futurama episode was great, which is you got to have, for Futurama, it was the sci-fi, it's the heart, it's the gags, and it's the the visual references and kind of the visual aids that go along with it, because especially in the HD era, that becomes much more prevalent. Here, what I've noticed is, even though this is an episode that is a little bit lighter on the gags and is a little bit less fast-paced because of it, mm-hmm. it really ramps up the emotion and the character arcs. And for that reason, it's so high esteemed in my eyes and I, I can't fault it. And that's the thing. And I think this is quintessential viewing for someone that wants to get a very clear understanding of not only, for example, the character of Homer, but for his relationship with his family, mm. Marge and Homer's relationship together and their ideas on family. Like it's just a great way of understanding how to write a Simpsons really well and clearly and with a fuck ton of payoff and heart. So it's Cubic Zirconia for me. I agree. Like I was tempted to give this goal because, yeah, it is definitely not as uh, relentlessly hilarious as some of the episodes, but just for the weight that they put behind the emotion, the way it pays off at the end, the, you know, with The Simpsons, it's fine that it doesn't really care about continuity for the most part because it's a lot of incidental things so that when mm. they do go back in the past and sort of explore these times in the characters' lives, like, they are then concreting the continuity and i think this episode literally fits in perfectly with all their past flashbacks of yeah seeing how bart and lisa was born and you know and then maggie makes three and i think it's yeah totally rounded out that trilogy as best as you can hope for so yeah qz for me bt finish it off yeah i'm gonna go cubic scanner as well look again you said it's it's not relentlessly funny but it doesn't need to be because it's still laugh out loud funny and just yeah, the character and the story it all just goes along so well i have i have no faults here and it's an iconic episode. It's incredibly powerfully emotional. And yeah, really funny. So that's everything you need. And I think it kind of might like slip under the radar for some people as well. Yeah, it's not going to be ones that immediately spring to mind when you think about your favorite episodes. But it's yeah. just so damn well put together. All right. Well, <laughs> no need to average because this is a unanimous cubic zirconia. We are giving this episode the Simpsons Index Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. Aww. Nice. <laughs> Thank you, Nick from Pods in the Kia Springfield, for coining like that subscribe. one. And this will be the twelfth episode from cool. season six Whoa. to get the Simpsons Index Award for Outstanding Achievement in the Field of Excellence. Mm-hmm. It'll be joining. Call out if you got any comments on the Treehouse of Horror five. This is like with the uh, shitting and time toaster and all nice. that. Lisa on Ice, mm-hmm. Grandpa versus Sexual Inadequacy, <laughs> Homer the Great. That's a Stonecutters episode. Bart's Comet, Lisa's Wedding, which we reviewed with you, Sean. Hey, we did too. All good company. Mm-hmm. Two dozen and one greyhounds, which nice. we reviewed with your brother Phil. Yep, the only musical he likes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the PTA <laughs> disbands. The Springfield connection. That's where Marge becomes a cop. Mm. Lemon of Troy, and who shot Mr. Burns? Part one. Good golly, my Good my golly. head is just. I'm just. My head is shaking, and my mouth is agape because it's just. Fuck, The Simpsons was good, wasn't it? <laughs> God damn, absolutely amazing. Yeah. You know what? And the dull cubic zirconias from this season as well. A bard of darkness, itchy and scratchy land, home of the clown and home of verse Patty and Selma. Like, <laughs> fuck, so- The Simpsons was good, wasn't it? <laughs> really good. Damn. Really good. For the longest time, actually, season six was our best ranked season overall. But so- unfortunately, that fucking clip show. Yeah. And now it's the third best season because of the law of averages. Damn you, averages. Damn you, clip show. So what's your top season? Five. 
Oh, right, cool. So it goes five, seven, six, eight, three, four, two, nine, ten, and then one. That's now, here's the important question. Did you know that off the top of your head or were you reading that? No, nah, I'm looking at my phone right now. Okay, good. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, look, that's been a great episode of The Simpsons Index today. Sean, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, well, thank you for having me, putting up with me, and giving me a job to do on a Sunday. <laughs> oh, more than welcome. But, you know, why don't you tell the folks at home what else you're doing at home when you're not recording with us, when you're recording with your fellow baby bearders? What are you guys up to? Oh, absolutely. Well, currently we are at the tail end of Shut Up and Take My Podcast, which is a uh, a bit of an irreverent Futurama retrospective. We're at the time of this uh, recording. We're a couple of episodes away from the end of season seven, to which we will then be going into the gauntlet, where we Ooh. pit all season winners up against each other to find out what we believe to be the best Futurama episode of all time and why it isn't Jurassic Bark. Um, <laughs> and also we are doing Roll to Cast, which is our tabletop role-playing game series so season one was our uh, season on cyberpunk 2020 season two was vampire the masquerade and season three which we are recording shortly and are not allowed to announce just yet but stay Ooh. tuned because uh it is uh, something that we're very excited about we're happy and willing and raring to go oh mysterious awesome yeah, I absolutely love the Roller Cast series. Like, I'm not normally a fan of podcasts that are tabletop RPGs, but mm-hmm. yeah, the way you guys tell the stories and also incorporate the sound effects and the music. Oh my God, the music is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Ah, that's uh, Paul Goodman from One Good Thing that provides the music for us, and he does a hell of a job. Oh, fucking A. And yeah, One Good Thing, I think, will be joining us for the next Simpsons Index podcast. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. Good Aww. old Pauls. Love our Pauls. Mm-hmm. Hmm. All right, and BT, what's our other podcast? Well, our other podcast, Elliot J. O'Neill, is Thrones <laughs> of Game, the Game of Thrones podcast that watches the series backwards. So I've already seen the entire show, but Elliot had never seen a single episode until we started watching in reverse order. Gives a really unique perspective on the show. Uh, it's so interesting to like see how many plot lines got dropped and pick them up and talk about where they came from, what's going on. Yeah, great fun. Check it out. It's a little short, fast, loud podcast. All right, and that brings us to the end of The Simpsons Index. Uh, Once again, Sean, thank you very much for joining us today. No, no, no. Thank you. Oh, thank Mm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And BT? No, 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 no. Thank me. (laughs) (laughs) I will. And I've been your host, Elliot J. O'Neill. Thank you very much. That's all mustard in the house. Mustard? Marge is pregnant? No! Thank you for listening to The Simpsons Index Podcast, which is also an online spreadsheet available at thesimpsonsindex.com. You can chat to us online at facebook.com slash thesimpsonsindex or at simpsonsindex on Twitter and Instagram. And now please stay tuned for the bonus scenes! Well, I held that way Ooh. better than I thought I was going <laughs> to. Nice, nice, little, nice little vibrato there at the end. I, I yeah, like that I little trailer. Yeah. Wow, might have, to, might have to eat my morning ritual now. <laughs> Just, we're, all, we're all the better for it. <laughs> to start your day off with a no! Yeah. Well, you know it gets you your next job. <laughs> yeah, a th- lot of talk of home has come in this episode. and So much talk of it. Yeah, this is sort I of a home... I prefer to ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at home has come in a microscope playlist as well, because they do that in um, recently reviewed Brother Can You Spare Two Dimes. Mm-hmm. Remember when Smithers and Burns are looking at Homer's sperm sample? Yes. Then they oh. look at Smithers' sample. Oh, oh God, that's right. Simpsons yeah. uses a lot of sperm animation. <laughs> <laughs>
lot of sperm. Actually, in that episode I was talking about before where Barney ends up being a big donor to the sperm, yep. they've got that sign out the front of the um, <laughs> sperm bank, which is, our sperm in your hands. I mean, fuck, way around. your sperm in our hands. Damn it. Our, our sperm in your hands. No, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird bank. 